and I am delighted that lovely Pinky McClure is joining us today at Conversation Instagram Live Series. And this is apparently the 17th episode, which I have to say I was quite surprised. Not only will we be able to find the Drawing Conversation over on YouTube, which, uh, but we've also got it going on to podcast as well now on Spotify. So, so we've got just under an hour with Pinky. We've got a lot to get through. As we go through, people can put questions in. I'll do my best to thread in and through a few as we go along. But I know that you know I've got a lot to say, and um, we'll do. I'll do our best. So let's start, Pinky. Are you comfy and ready to go? Yes. Sorry, I'm fidgeting about, so I'm ready now. No, I can see you. I see you've got your matching coordinated. And can you see that I deliberately? Always. 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 Thank you. Yeah, I even very important. Up. Very, very important. Oh, yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so I wanted to start with northeast coast of Scotland. Art was her identity. So when, when we were chatting the other day, you were talking about growing up as a child and you were talking about your early passion for art and making and drawing and designing and doing and all of those sorts of things. And I've got, the other thing I've got uh, written down here, and I know that, you know, you don't mind saying this, I've also got the word school weirdo down. Now, you and I both know what that's about. Um, so in terms of kicking off, can you, can you just start to tell everybody about your early experiences, your passion for art and wanting to be creative and do stuff, and obviously as a child wanting to express these things, and your early experiences with the school, where things start for you? I think that's a good place to start. Uh, yes, well, my my uh, first school um, encouraged art, and my parents were very encouraging about art. And it became it became kind of my thing, and I drew all the time, all my spare time. I was always drawing. If the telly was on, I was always drawing as well, and it was just it was it was very much my identity as far as I was concerned, in primary school and secondary school, and. Um, I mean, I was also I also loved all the arts and performing arts as well. But but I had I felt very at home with with drawing, and then I moved schools at fourteen to not far away, only about forty or fifty miles away, a bit further south. Um, I mean, this is this was um, the quite far north in Scotland, northeast of Scotland, kind of about fifty miles west of Aberdeen. But it was a small farming community and there was absolutely no recognition of the arts at all in the school. The art teacher was a miserable git and he was pretty sexist and managed in the space of two years to completely put me off. And I just gave up completely for years until I was probably about 35. I completely gave up. And it actually, I think, had quite a bad effect on my mental health or it certainly contributed to a lot of the problems that I had in my teens and 20s because I didn't have well I, like I say it was my identity and I didn't have a way to express myself I was searching for a way to express myself and I'd completely lost confidence in being able to do it through drawing so I had to find something else and it was hard yeah and if you don't get in that support and I think it's one of those things that we find a lot in these conversations, just also in wearing different work hats, is just 
you know, the role of the teacher is not to be underestimated. Um, the power of, of a good or, or a poor teacher, you know, they really can be incredibly influential. You know, they can really, yeah. in those uh, years, if they're very supportive and um, imaginative and, and encourage the child, but equally, if it's not a positive teacher, if they're undermining, it can, it can be quite devastating, I think, on a, on a child. Well, we were just... It... I mean, it could have been brilliant as well because there are only two of us in the art class, and we're both girls, and we're both considering going to art school. And um, he, you know, both of us didn't. And uh, I can remember so vividly we were doing art history, and he was showing us all these slides of uh, various famous paintings. And um, and there was, I think it was a, a Bouchard. Is that the one with a very sort of well, it was very plump nude with her bum to the the viewer and and i just remember he turned around to us and said doesn't that just make you want to slap her bottom and i just oh remember thinking what? really you know and that was the kind of level of <laughs> thing we were up against you know we were thinking uh, no <laughs> So it was it was not good. And actually when, when I left, you know, I remember him saying to us both, So are you are you going to pursue art you're not going to pursue art then? And we were like, No, we're gonna do something else and he said, Oh well I hope I haven't put you off. So he must have realised at least that what he'd done. But it's too late by then. No, it's very damaging. But I mean for other people coming on the call, obviously we're gonna be talking a lot about your work around stained glass and Pinky is the most exquisite stained glass artist. We'll be talking quite a lot about that. But you have other strings to your bow and you can't keep a good girl down, can you? No, <laughs> but um but after that, well. you sing as well. And I didn't know this until yes. you said you have a number of albums, do you not? Okay. Yes, many. Many. I think oh. it's Nine or ten, <laughs> could be ten. I did three on my own and seven with with John Wills, my partner. And um, I mean, that was that has been up until this. Yeah. That's been my life, really. That that and work. Channeling that creativity. It's also a stifle. Channeling it into the music, which is, I suppose, something you think you can. At least you can do that. And I know when we were talking, mm. we were juggling that and doing other bits and bobs and jobs and working in bars and singing and doing all the gigs and everything else. And um, it was around that time, I think, that you got a job, didn't you? And it really, it, well, I suppose it's changed mm. in a way. It may not have been the best job for you, for reasons that you can tell everyone on the call, but it did really put your life in a different direction. For years, for years, I was just working in pubs or as a cleaner or in cafes or whatever I could do to support myself whilst trying to have a music career, which was just endlessly disappointing. I mean, record deal after record deal that just went wrong. And it was really, really seriously distressing and frustrating. And um, then I, I, a friend of mine was, had a hobby of making stained glass and he was just kind of repairing front doors and. And, and making Victorian replicas of Victorian stained glass. And um, he was getting lots of work, so he, and he asked me to help him because he had too much work. And I really didn't think this was something I could do because I'm not particularly practical and I'm not good at things like, you know, that involve lots of measuring and you know precision and symmetry. But um, nevertheless, it paid a lot better than working in the pub did, so I helped him. 
and um, the work kept coming and the business kept going and that went on for years, years and years and years. And um, I didn't particularly like the work, to be honest, because it wasn't very creative. Just to be clear for people on the call, just so people know for, for the, the role that Pinky was doing, this wasn't a sort of um, a fine art business where, you know, no, people no. Are spending millions of pounds on something. It was, you know, probably a, a perfectly serviceable, I'm not knocking it, but it was, you know, somebody wants to get a nice, pretty stained bit of glass. Yeah. It's, gla it's glaze, it's really, it's glazing. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. a, lot, an awful lot of the time people were either just replacing something that got broken yeah. or they, they didn't like the neighbours looking in, so they wanted something, you know, or that. Yeah. We're not talking about particularly, are we here? So that's what, what you were doing. No, it wasn't, it wasn't creative. And actually, I, after a few years of this, I started to get really frustrated because I just thought, why do people want to make stained glass ugly? It's just ugly. And because if you use really cheap glass and, and make very simple, big blocks of cheap glass, it's ugly to me anyway. And and I, because I, because I was doing this every day, you know, inevitably my curiosity um, led me to starting to look at more and more stained glass and bought a few books and got really fell in love with the really old painted allegorical stained glass and the strangeness and oddness and kind of anarchic nature of it with all the, the cracks and the millions of lead lines in bizarre places and the, the funny stories and the weird faces and, and i just thought oh this is great this is <laughs> i'd love to do something like this but of course you know, trying to get, trying to convince your average commissioning customer that that's what they want is nigh on impossible. Yeah. So eventually I just thought I'll just have to take this into my own hands and start making them and put them in light boxes and see if I can do it that way. And um, that's all I do now. Wasn't it? Sorry. it wasn't that long ago. Fairly recently. I mean, the, the first, it was sort of 2012, I think I first started. Well, actually, in 2011, I did, I did get, I, I tendered for a job at a sexual health clinic in Edinburgh, who said, right. anything you want is a sexual health clinic. It's something about the family, but that's it, which is amazing because nobody ever said that. So then I just went for it and said, this is what I want to do. And they won, won the tender. And after that, I thought, hmm, maybe people do like this after all. Maybe this is a thing that communicates to people. I'm going to make a few more of these. And off and on, you know, and sort of dribs and drabs for a little bit because I was, I was still working in the, doing all the boring stained glass. And, and then eventually I thought, right, I'm going to knock that in the head completely and just focus totally on making this art. And, yeah. and it's just been fantastic because it's completely sorted my head out after all these years of just feeling like I was this nutcase who did weird music and, you know, was this sort of freak at school and just, just feeling like I'm, I was always a, a problem. And, and now it's kind of like, oh, people can relate to me. Maybe I'm, I'm not a nutcase yeah. after all. This is a thing that I can do that I love and I'm good at. But I mean, it's, yeah. it's yeah. point where that long ago, and I mean, when we were speaking last, you were saying um, you know, it's fantastic because you're, some of your work has recently been snapped up by the National Museums of Scotland, I believe. 
which yep. is incredible. Yep. So, um, yeah. and, and I think it, uh, well, it just shows you, it shows you you've got to, um, that, the, the amount, the, the, the distance traveled in a relatively short period of time from being a self-taught artist, and now you're, mm. you know, you're commissioned and, you know, you're coming and going into national collections, which I mean, I think that's incredible and speaks volumes. But I mean, just so just going back, because you know, you know that when we were talking, because I love all of this, the, well, some of the stuff, I think the reason where I first met Pinky was through the Jogowski Prize, wasn't it, Pinky? So we, yes. also, the Big Draw also runs the John Ruskin Prize and exhibition. And we had a, well, it must have been end of 2019 now, because we didn't do it last year, did we? So yes, it was, we had a, a prize and it was very much about, um, again, it was about politics and the economy and making change. Very, not dissimilar to the theme we've gone out with our mm -hmm. festival yesterday, make the change. So looking at societal economic shifts, that sort of thing. So we had some really challenging work in there. It was a fantastic exhibition. And one of our shortlisted artists was Pinky. And it was that beautiful one of the lady. And you look at it and you look at it and it, it looks it looks sort of medieval in a way. You look at it and then you realise that's not a halo. It's syringes, possibly heroin syringes. Who knows? And you look a bit closer. And you see shots, children. Yeah, there's children skipping around. Actually, they're not that happy. And then it, it's what you were saying about the it's the iconography. It's the allegory. It's taking some of those those lot those sort of very very sort of traditional historic things that you see popping up all the time through different periods you know particularly medieval period but right through obviously pre-raphaelites reclaimed all of that and did it their own way but you see that but you and you put you put it back out there but even if you go back to, if you go back to the original medieval blast as you were uh referring to earlier it is quirky it, it's not yeah. i think that, you know we were saying, you know you Pre-Raphaelites and Victorian, and I'm not saying it's not beautiful, and I love that period, but it is sanitised in a way. But yes. you go back to the medieval period, it's there's something very sort of gritty about it, and mm. you know there are quite challenging things in there, and there are gargoyles. Mm. It's very sort of Angela Carter-esque, and there's like some yeah. very, and they just jumble it all up together. I don't sort of worry about it too much, and the quality of the Mm. as well times through and the workmanship the craftsmanship yes. or craftsmanship all that sort of stuff so mm. i love all of that i love that story thing and i think for me that's what you are you are a most incredible storyteller uh pinky but i would love it Oops. i think it would be interesting to hear a bit more about the um the process so with the stain with the stained glass um the process from the beginning to end for you because one some of the things that I was fascinated about I wrote them down and there was a special type of glass sort of vitreous glass and I think it's important um, the glass, flash hand, glass. Hand. yes so but the, yeah. from the beginning to end those sketching out the designs and then this puzzle it's like a jigsaw puzzle with the glass and the glass has to be hand blown in a certain way because it has the quality mm. and the way that you etch in to get the color yes. I mean I thought people would love to hear about that the process it's i mean that's that's the reason i think why so much cheap mass-produced glass doesn't look nice and um hand-blown glass looks really amazing and actually there's very few people there's hardly anybody in this country that makes that anymore um only two places i think and it's um it's a really specialized thing i don't do um it's they, they blow it and, and make a, a, a tube 
and then slit it down the middle when it's still soft so that it folds into a flat. And the really, the really skilled one is where they make flashed glass, which is a colour on one side and clear on the other. And that's what I use because you have to, you can't put white on a colour in the way that you can when you're on a opaque surface. Anything that you put on the colour is going to look like black because it's blocking out the light. And then you can paint on it or do whatever you want with it. Yeah, so there's all these different aspects to it, isn't there, with the glass. And, but then there's also, not only is there the, the, the puzzle, because we were talking about this. So imagine you've got your, you know, you sketched out your design, you're starting to think about colour and shape and form and etching and all the rest of it. Um, but it has to fit together. And it has to fit together with making allowances for the strips, the lead to go in the middle. So you're having to envisage all of this before you, you put all the bits together. I mean, I, I learned to make stained glass using lead, but to copper foil because it's much more lightweight, and um, you it does it has some drawbacks, but it, it it means that you can you can get a bit more detail, and because obviously the lead takes up quite quite a lot of space. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's not that much between them. Well, that was only invented in the 19th century. And then obviously there's the, in terms of the painting of the different pieces, and that all has to fit together mm. as well. Um, yes, well, that's the thing. I mean, you have, you have to draw out some kind of plan first. So usually what, what I do is I, I'm, I maybe start with a really rough, spontaneous sketch, which gives me the sort of initial idea. And then I might build that up into a, a digital collage um, yeah. adding odds and sods that I found online on, and little ideas and I just make little notes and things. Uh, I don't draw it a full car, cartoon because there's no, there's no need to because the only reason that they used to do that was that they, an artist would draw the, the cartoon or the, the drawing on a plan and then give it to crafts yeah. people who would make the stained glass whereas I'm doing both so I don't need to, there's no point in me drawing it twice. So I just have a rough idea of it in my head or in the sketch. And then I draw the plan out with all the pieces exactly, exactly to scale. And then I cut the first piece of glass and um, paint on it whatever uh, figure or whatever it is that I want and, and sandblast away any areas that I want to be white. And that, I mean, that process, there's lots and lots of processes involved in that. It, it might it might be um, engraved, sandblasted, and painted several times before it's finished. Yeah. yeah so if you that. have two different bits of glass, like for example, there was one time I did uh, somebody fishing. <laughs> so there was the fishing line, which was going from the end of his, his fishing rod down into a pool so that the, obviously the pool was was a, a different bit of glass than the, than the background of the fishing line. So and I had this ridiculous sort of hair's breadth of a line that went down from the the background oh, yeah. and then joined onto this blue bit of glass. And you know, and later you're putting it all together and ho just hoping that that millimeter is going to meet up. Yeah. Otherwise, they. And in terms of some of the glazes, because I was on with a different hat on, uh, Society of Design and Craftsman hat, I think I was on something involved with them the other week, and there was amazing ceramicists talking about the glazes. And we talked a bit about this with the glass, because there's only certain colours you can get, isn't there? And how you, uh, when it goes in, it comes out, you're not entirely sure what colours it's going to end up. 
hit and miss? It's well, I mean, there there are various different things that people do. People do use enamels. I don't use them very much. I do a bit, but I just find them very difficult. And also, I've experienced them just sort of coming up when I was was doing windows that were exposed to the elements. It, enamel quite often came came off. Although you can get pretty much all the colours of the rainbow in that. It's very undependable. And it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it doesn't, well, some people seem to manage to get it to stick to the glass and make it really beautiful, but I've never managed to do that really. It tends to be a bit blobby. So I stick to the vitreous paints, which are just blacks, browns, um, maybe a kind of reddishy brown. And, and then there's silver stain, which was invented in the 16th century, I think, which is a silver nitrate that you paint on and it, it creates a beautiful gold color. But they're, they're not all paint, um, fired at the same temperature, so you have to do them all in separate firings, which makes it very slow and, and unpredictable. I mean, because it depends on what type of glass, especially the silver stain. If you use certain type of glass, it'll just react really badly. And other types of glass, it looks amazing. So you never really yeah, know quite, quite what you're going to get. I sort of like that, though. I like the fact that it must be frustrating. There's also sort of quite nice not knowing exactly how it's going to come out. It adds to the uniqueness of it. Oh, it's it's always really exciting. It's always really exciting. And, and to be honest, it kind of um, has contributed to my desire to make windows that look a bit medieval because, <laughs> because yeah. if you're aiming for perfection with stained glass, you just it's just a nightmare you know what's the point you know you might as well make something that looks a bit, a bit odd. quirky there's a question here saying so presumably it's a process this is from willie which takes a long time how many hours go into one of your works and does that mean you reflect upon what you and i can't see the rest but maybe you end up with i don't know so um, how long would it take i mean it takes a long time doesn't it for you to go well yes um i mean this this one behind me yeah, so what sort of size is that? that that's 60 centimetres by 60 centimetres. That took me about four to six weeks, I think. Um, Beauty Tricks, which is the one that was in the John Ruskin Prize, that was three months that took me. So it's it's it takes a long time, but I'm getting faster. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, I like the slow, slow, slowness of it because... I change it as I go along, you know, it's, you know, you get new ideas and you can put in wee bits and secret, little secret little things and, and, you know, it's, it's, I change it as I go along. And I like it, I like it for the, the fact that it's, it's so slow and old fashioned. And there's something about that that's just a bit meditative and yeah. therapeutic. Getting into the flow, absolutely, with it all. Yeah. I want you to, I mean, I really thank you for that because I think the process is absolutely fascinating and maybe people don't quite realise just how much workmanship is going into all of this. I wanted, so one of the areas I've made notes on here, which I think is fascinating, so it's this idea about, I suppose it's about the heritage of, of, of stained glass. And obviously, I think for a lot of people, they are inevitably going to, um, they're going to associate stained glass with churches, cathedrals. It's just inevitable. Mm. And there are some mm. absolutely incredible, aren't there? And you look at some of the York mm. um, Minster or something, you know, you look at some incredible medieval um, 
artistry and architect, um, architecture and artistry about what they've managed to do. But I'm yes. wondering because of not every, you know, it's a more secular society we live in today. Do you think that the art form or the craft form, because that's also another issue, isn't it? Where is it? Where does it sit within that continuum? Is is overlooked today? Do you think it's overlooked because totally um, yes because of that? There's there's enormous amount of prejudice, I think, both from Christians and atheists, actually, and other, I don't know about anybody else, but I have found that doing work for churches in the past, I don't do that anymore, but I find it incredibly difficult because I think that they think people associate it so much with this sort of dark, violent imagery of the Old Testament. <clears throat> they don't want, so they don't, well, I can't speak for every church, but certainly the, the churches that I worked for were steering away from anything except something very kind of bland. And people people are like non-church people tend to think it's a thing for churches. That's the end of that, which is weird because it doesn't have to be at all. I suppose maybe people also associate it with maybe pubs or toilet doors or something. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's just weird to me how I suppose because if if say I had gone to art school um, as I had intended to and become an art a painter, I would be probably painting pictures that are a bit like the stained glass that I make now because it's coming from me. Um, so why is that okay, but stained glass is, is not? Because I'm still painting, I'm still making a piece of art, I'm still telling a story and doing something unique, but there's still this sort of blindness to it, which is odd. I think maybe it's part of the mystery about how it's done. People maybe think it's, you know, somebody said, said to me recently, I was showing them the sandblaster. She looked and she went, oh, so you just program that off all, do you? All the images and then it's like, no, it's a gun with sand. You blow it at the bits of glass. I've oh spent well, four, I've spent four hours cutting this stencil, which I drew by yeah. hand. <laughs> oh my God. I guess maybe that's what it is. People just think, can't believe that it's, it's not done with some technology. But um, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to get past. In the, where we are today, that it was it was so big in the medieval, you know, massive revival in the pre-Raphaelite Victorian period. It mm. does feel it's, mm. and that's not to say there aren't, in, in, uh, you know, incredible people out there doing it. But it does feel a bit overlooked. And I know that, and I know we've had this conversation. Yes. I think people find it quite hard to place. So you know, yeah. we talk about it as, as is it fine art? Is it art? Is it craft? Is it where does it sit? Matter. Yeah. I mean, I have personally have issues around that continuum because for me, it doesn't have to be this. It can absolutely be a very fluid continuum, but that's a personal, a personal mm. view. Um, but I know that there are plenty of organisations and people out there who do like to say, well, this is this and this is it. Mm. You know, mm. I felt there's another of those things that it, it can be fine art and it can also be craft. And it can, it, it's, it's a, I think some people might find it hard to place. And I remember you saying that you had experienced this um mm. you know that there have been oh, yes. some at certain times from certain I mean I'm not mentioning any organizations but they no, had, no 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 you know, I was I was told that I wasn't 
I was told that I wasn't a contemporary artist, which yeah. really confused me because I just thought, <laughs> does that basically mean I've just got I've just got to give up doing stained glass and paint pictures on canvas instead, and then I can be a contemporary artist? It's like, how interesting <laughs> to be a contemporary artist? Have you actually looked at it on your glass? Pretty edgy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's just stuff that I've seen. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's whole notion. There's somebody on here, Florence. Florence. Pursuit? Oh yes, Chagall. Yeah. Yeah. So they they've been saying there's a an NL. I don't know whether that's Netherlands or somewhere. I'm not sure. There is a revival of glass arts. We have a glass lab and artist. Oh yeah, there you go, Dane Bosch. So it sounds like there is, I mean, there's always going to be good stuff happening wherever, but I have also picked up on this um, strange, not quite knowing where to put. I think, I think partly there, it is this whole like, oh, that's what happens. It's for churches and people feel a bit uncomfortable about that. And they think that the things are going to just be like religious things and that puts them off a bit. But, and I, I suppose there's also the challenges around the sighting of the work, which we've talked about, how you actually, you know, even if, even if you commission the work and want to show the work in an exhibition, it does need to be lit, it needs a light box, it needs to be slightly appropriate. And the challenges of if, if a, a church did, or a, I don't know, a, a faith space did commission some work, it does need to be put in an appropriate place to be appreciated. Yeah. Otherwise, if it's a yeah. corner, it's going to look too dark. So I, there, there's all of that around that as well. But it, it feels like there's a lot more work to be done on this as a art stroke mm. form, however people um, to label it, I think, and especially yeah, when you're working at such a high level as well. Mm. Mm. Yes, anyway, it's, I'm it... as you said, and I wanted to pick up on the art school thing. You saying maybe you'd have ended up as a painter, and you would have probably been a brilliant painter as well. But then there wouldn't have been someone like you waving and championing the role, the value of contemporary, exquisite, contemporary uh, stained glass. So maybe it's all worked out. Right. I think so. I think so. And I mean, I, I feel like it's it's given me a direction, you know, maybe yeah. if I was a painter, maybe I'd still be struggling to find my own direction with that. Um, whereas with this, it's it's so it's such a difficult medium to work with. And and there's so much of it that I hate <laughs> out there. But uh, it's been quite easy, really, because I just think. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna do that. I'm just gonna go that way, and it's and it's kind of endless because I can just translate my life experience into into that, and it's yeah, it's really cool. So there was two things on that really. So I mean, you touched on art school, and you were saying obviously because you didn't go down the formal art school route, so many people go down. But one of the things that we chatted about when we were talking the other day, and it's a conversation. I've been having quite a lot recently with different different people about this idea of of self-taught artists. Um, I suppose a bit more of a sense of outsider art in, in its loosest term. So that you know, that could be people who, by that I suppose, meaning people who are working outside of the more mainstream uh, art world. So. Mm -hmm. I, and we were talking a little bit about that, and I, I, I always feel, on my, again, it's a personal point of view, that the, the people, the artists that are coming through those processes, they feel fresher to me. And I, I, again, it's no criticism of anybody else, but there's a freshness to it. There's a, 
a unique quality to it because they haven't gone through a cohort at an art school and come out with the stamp of and with the best one in the world there are going to be influences from the tutor from their peer groups it just happens and it's it doesn't mean it's not they're not going to be great and all the rest of it but there's a there's a uniqueness and a freshness i think you see in people's work for people who haven't done that and then the people who have done that, that they say they come out and they have to unlearn it there's a process of needing to come out. Okay, that was great experience. Thank you very much. Now I need to unlearn that in a way to go and actually do something that is unique and special for me and is differential to what the other people are doing. Do do you see what I mean? And I and I really see that personally. Well, I, I, I do feel like I can kind of do what I want, um, and I've, I feel like I've, I've got these sort of pals that I um, can call on every so often that in books that, that were making class at the 12th century and I, I could just sort of check up on, on what they're doing and it just totally inspires me and yeah. uh, it's 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 that really that is my if any if anybody is guiding me it's it's them really oh. I, I feel I feel like I've looked at so much medieval stained glass I don't know. I'm, I don't know if there's any medieval stained glass I haven't seen that isn't certainly that hasn't had a photograph taken of it. And I just find it endlessly fascinating and endlessly relatable, even though it is uh, very often people being eaten by monsters or whatever. It's, <laughs> it's the um, what I say. I suppose it's the intimacy often of the work, isn't it? For me, I yes. love the quirkiness. Totally intimate. The intimacy. This is one of my favourite with the little dog at the bottom of the bed. I mean, I just think that's gorgeous because it's just, it's just intimate, like you say, and it's tiny, that one. And there's, there's another one which I, I picked out that, um, because I like the sort of lunacy of it to me. I like this because the artist, the artist has had to fit this person into this insane bit of tracery window. <laughs> And they just brilliantly managed to do this incredible perspective with his feet and hands and his little head all squashed in like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just brilliant, isn't it? And you wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think of doing that unless you were presented with that shape. Yeah. I love it, just love it. I just love it. There's a comment on here which is really interesting. So from T-Bird London, thank you for that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, so the BSM, which is the uh, British Stained Master Glass... Painters. Anyway, oh yes, like British Society of Master Glass Painters. Master Glass Painters, yeah, who are very active online and they seem to do brilliant mm. work. They've quoted about that difficulty of understanding where the art and craft sits, stained glass is the syndrome of the arts. That's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, they've quoted about that difficulty of understanding where the art and craft sits. So thinking mm. about that continuum of stained glass. And they said stained glass is the syndrome of the art. It's true, it's true. Of talking about it, and actually, I could imagine now a very quirky, dark fairy story about Cinderella in the stained glass in an Angela Carter-esque sort of way. You know, you coming up. Yes, yes. Crazy. I'll just make a note of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make a note of that. Yes, there's a glass museum. So there's, you know, you're getting an awful lot of lovely comments, lots of hearts for you as well. Oh, thank um, so you. We've been talking around lots of things we've got. And one of the things that we've touched on a little bit as we've gone around, you know, we've talked about the 
um, slow art. You know, we've talked about mm -hmm. in a way there's a there's a type of therapy to doing it. The concentration, the slowing down, the taking the time to look and think of the details, and that helps. There's a there's a, a meditative quality about that that we've talked about, and you've referenced a couple of times throughout that it has that helps you from a a point of view in terms of well-being and health and mental health and mm. you have been very open and talked you know you yourself have had some challenges you know over the years when you were younger and that that some yeah. of these, these anxieties and things like you know feeding into different stages of your career and I mean perhaps I don't know do you want to talk a bit about that and how maybe it now influences your work and your understanding empathy of what other artists and creatives are, are going through Ooh, hard to know where to start um it it's been really good for me to be able to express myself through art and realize that people respond with love, I think is, is one thing I would say that, that it, so there's something about visual art that is, it's like you're really allowed to do what you want, I think. Maybe you're not, you know, in terms of commercial terms, I don't know anything about that really, but um, in general, I think that there's there's a general acceptance that the best art comes out of you and your soul and your heart, and I think that's what artists are striving for. And I never found that with music. With music, I always felt like I, people I wasn't cute. My voice was too deep. It was too dark. People thought I was scary. It was like, it's not commercial. It's got to be three minutes, you know, so much, so much stuff. Like, and also, you know, if you haven't basically become incredibly famous by the time you're 25, forget it. And um, it's not like that with visual art. I really feel, I don't know, maybe I've just been lucky, but I've, I've found it incredibly positive and that people respond really positively. And that has so helped me so much um i mean i my mental health problems were really bad in my my teens and 20s and kind of you know i kind of got a bit better in my 30s and 40s but you know it, it's really only been in the past decade that i've started to feel like i can cope and uh, and i'm not just a, a nervous wreck and, and it's been largely because I've, it's like my little world, you know, and I mean, I think it, most artists will be able to relate to that. It's just a world that you can enter that's just yours and just go. And it's great. It's claiming it back, isn't it? And being creative and making it work for you. And, and, and we know we've talked about this and um, I, I've been very open about, you know, it's, people know I've written about it a few different times about my challenges with OCD and I, I find that creative activity is incredibly beneficial and I I have to be I feel I have to be involved in, in a role that's to a degree creative I mean I don't have time always to do as much sketching and knitting and you know I have to say I'd love to do some stained glass now have a go at that um, I'd love to have time to do more of that but it but it's the it's the the creativity and thinking of ideas and and getting to meet people like you I think Pinky from across all these different mm -hmm. sectors it's meeting these incredibly passionate, wonderful, inspirational, creative people and how they've, they've come to a point where they're actually reinvesting that back into their career and, and their work. And you can really see the positive benefits of that. Yeah. 
So we've got a couple of minutes left. I mean, just, I mean, to round off, Pinky, would you, what tips, any tips for anybody who might want to perhaps having a, a challenging time at the moment or is thinking, actually, do you know, I really want to, I want to get into this. I want to have a at stained glass. Do you have any final tips or words of, words of wisdom? Um, well, I would say that if you can, if you can find, if you want to do stained glass painting, which is really where it starts to get exciting and you can do more narrative stuff, then if you can find somewhere, I think, I think there are places that, that will do classes where you can, you can paint. And I mean, even if you just get one bit of glass and then paint a picture and let them fire it in their kitchen, exciting because you know seeing it with the light coming through it is there's nothing like it. it's really unbeatable and you know that's not that hard to do when you're trying to put lot together lots and lots and lots of bits and um, then it's hard that's right but um but uh but you can just paint a single piece of glass and and fire it in the kiln and and it, it's pretty exciting and then if you can do that with the black paint and then do a second firing using silver stain to get the gold. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's even just on a clear bit of glass. That can look amazing. So um, go for it, definitely. If people want to find out more about your work, Pinky, um, they can go to your website, can't they? So got on Instagram as well. Yeah, yes. Um, so pinkymcclure.net is the website. Instagram is pinky.mcclure. I would encourage everybody to, to follow you. Um, oh, yes, please do. Following the big draw, that'd be great as well. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say goodbye. I'm going to say thank you so much to Pinky for uh, joining thank us you. on the call today. The time out to talk about her practice and her success. And I think it's going to just carry on going <laughs> upwards for you, Pinky. We can hang on to your coattails as you become more and more famous. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for inviting me. That's been lovely to talk.